Well, hey, guys, thank you for being here today. I've been talking about, uh, we've been doing a whole series, which this is my last uh, week on this series, on, on basically what is the church? What does it mean to be the church? Who is the church? What does the church look like? Uh, you know, obviously, the very first week, we got it right out of the way that, listen, the church is people. The church is not a building. The church is not a place. Uh, and one of the things that I really, really want to try to help with you guys, and, and by the way, I am guilty of this type of thinking because I wasn't always a pastor. I was once, you know, one of those people who just came on a Sunday morning and sat, you know, in a, in a pew or in a seat or whatever and listened, you know, to the worship and listened to the message and I went home. And it's very, very easy to get into this mindset that those, there's certain types of people that are the church and I'm just somehow the observer, right? You know... Now, I'm a, uh, uh, a, well, I almost said San Diego Charger fan. I am now an L.A. Charger fan and Charger fans out there. I know. That's okay. Uh, I am a Charger fan. But if those of you who are sports fans, I'm going to tell you something. If you go and talk to any avid sports fans, you know what I mean, they will tell you that they are part of the team, right? If you go to a, a, a game, especially, I know I got, we got some Raiders fans. Where are my Raider fans in here, right? If you go to a Raiders game, okay, they got this section called the black hole, right? Right? Am I right? They got this section called, now, if you ask them, they are part of the team, all right? There's another um, football team, the, uh, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. They actually call it the, the 12th man, right? It's the entire crowd. They believe that they are contributing to the game. What I love about that is that is absolutely true. If you've ever watched one of uh, the Seattle Seahawks games, it has to be in Seattle, the 12th man, while the opposing team is trying to line up and trying to get their play started, the crowd is so loud that they've actually been part of stopping the play or getting them to not hear the count right or whatever, and they actually have contributed to the play itself, which is quite amazing. You guys, that's the church. That is the church just because, you guys, there's some guys on the field who are going at it and who are, you know, doing all these things doesn't mean that you can't contribute, doesn't mean that you're not a part. And if there's something I love about that picture is just because you're a fan or just because you're someone sitting in the pews that you can have a voice, that you can be a part. And that is exactly what the church is. When, when you, you know, walk in that door, the church isn't the people that you see scurrying around, you know, putting church together for you or, or leading up here in the front. You are the church. The minute you woke up, you were the church. You were the church at home. When you got in your car, you were the church in your car. When you're at work, you're the church at work. It is not this idea that once Sunday rolls around and the minute you walk into this space that somehow all of a sudden church starts. Now, yes, the service starts, our gathering starts, our time together starts, but that is not what the church is. And Jesus never, ever described church as being somehow this place that you go to. He was constantly saying, you are the church. You are the body. Paul talked about you being the body of Christ, and that was our second week. And just like a body, every part is important. Now, I don't know, 
it's funny, I told the story of me stubbing my toe. I did it again last night. All right. I walked into my room and bam, I hit my toe and I, you know, I even let out a very manly, you know, you know, right, Sheila? It was very manly, very manly cry. I let out a very manly cry as I came around the corner. Oh, my gosh. But what's funny is I don't think about my toes until I stub them, right? Until I can't use them. And then I'm like hobbling around. How important is every single part of your body? And how funny it is that it's until you injure one of them, you know, that you realize how important life gets a little harder when you can't walk on your feet. You know, life gets a little harder when one of your fingers is hurting and you can't seem to grab, you know, things correctly or put weight on something or, you know, or whatnot, you know. And, and it's interesting that we give so much importance to certain parts just like we do in church, you know, we think that oh, all the people up on stage, man, they're very, very important. Boy, you know what I mean? They must be so holy. They must be so perfect. It is far from the truth. It is far from the truth. I still to this day have no clue why God chose me to stand in front of you and, and teach his word. You know what I mean? I mean, I know, I know why, you know. He needs somebody to do it, and I was... You know, the guy banging my head against the wall enough times to go, oh, we should stop, you know. But listen, I am not any better than you just because I have the title of pastor. All it is is a, a description of what my function is. Every single one of you has a place. Every single one of you has a function. Every single one of you has a gift that God gave you. I watch it happen every Sunday. I watch as people are greeting other people or people are setting up, you know, that love to put together all the pastries and everything like that or, or, or do sound or whatnot or lead worship. Everybody has a function. We all need each other. God created it that way. He actually did not create us to be lone wolves. He did not create us to, to be able to live on our own. We need each other, and that's what the church looks like. The church is people. The church is all of us just like a body. Even though I have one body, it has many parts to it. And I need every single part working together so that I can function. That is a perfect description of the church. And I want to help your mind shift from going, well, that's the church, to saying, I'm the church. I'm the church. If I have Christ in me, if the Holy Spirit dwells within me, then I am the church. We talked about the church being a body. We also, uh, uh, last week, uh, talked about the church being the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. A picture of a wedding. It is why God designed marriage. Because not only was he wanting, you know, that he said that no, no man shall live alone. That he created a helpmate you know, for him, that there is a picture, there's a reason why that we have marriage. There's a reason why that if you go around the whole globe, that marriage exists in just about every culture. It's because it's a picture of God sending his son, Jesus, the bridegroom, to his bride, us, the church. And that one day he's coming back for us to take us home. That is a picture of the church being the bride. And that is why, you guys, we need to be prepared. That is why we need to be acting as though we are the church. 
That is why we need to be ready. That is why we need to be pure. And by the way, it is Christ who makes us pure. It's nothing that we can do on our own that makes us perfect. It's through Christ dying on a cross by us accepting that, that we become pure, that we become that pure bride. Today, we're going to talk about the church as the hospital. The church as the hospital. This is a place that sick people come. This is a place that people find healing. Really quickly, church is where, you guys, I found healing. And the very, very first healing I found was that my soul was saved. You see, the Bible talks about that all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, that it is through belief in Jesus Christ that once we believe that we are saved. And when I came to that realization, when I first declared that Jesus Christ was my Lord and my Savior, my soul was healed. That soul that was already, you know, in the process of death was now saved from death. I wasn't going to have to be eternally separated from my God anymore. But then something else happened. As I spent more time with the church, as I spent more time with people who cared about me, as I spent more time, you know, as the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, as I started to hang out with people that were uplifting me, I started finding healing in other parts of me as well, that emotional side that, you know, I've shared with you guys that I grew up in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was seven years old, and I walked through a lot of pain, I was raised by a, you know, a single mom and went back and forth with my mom and my dad. And I experienced all the trauma and all the pain that comes along with that. And all the brokenness and all the worry and all the stress. But it was being involved with the church where I found healing in that. Where I stopped being angry. Where I stopped pointing the finger. Where I stopped saying, you know what, I don't want to live with that weight on me anymore. When I started giving all of that over to God and saying, you know what, Lord, heal me. And then there was the process of healing and restoration. And now I'm a husband. Now I'm a father. And the sins of my parents have stopped. They have ceased. It is not going to be passed on to the generation to generation. But you guys, it was through the church that I found healing in that. The church is a hospital, and I want to talk to you today about how we can be the hospital for people. Will you guys turn to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 10? I want to read you a story of, of Jesus himself and how he actually says how important it is that he came for the sick. He came for those who were broken. He came for those who were the outcasts. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 10. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other, I love this, and other disreputable sinners, right? Disreputable sinners. Now, I don't know if you notice this, but the name up in the top corner there also says Matthew, right? 
This is the same guy we're talking about. He's writing this himself. So obviously Matthew has you know, had a conversion and, and Matthew has given his heart over to the Lord. But disreputable sinners. In verse 11, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, what does your teacher, or sorry, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why does your teacher eat with such scum? You can imagine the, the venom that was just spewing out as these Pharisees said that. Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Verse 13, then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, Jesus was telling these Pharisees, who, by the way, they knew the law. They studied the law. They served the Lord. But Jesus knew their heart was not in the right place. Because they were more concerned with just, you know, doing the traditions. They were more concerned about, about you know, doing all the temple sacrifices and keeping all the appearance of holiness going, but Jesus saw that there had been a decay in their own heart, that really they were sick in their soul, but they could not see it. And Jesus said this, listen, I've come for those who know that they are sick, not those who think that they are righteous. And here's where I want that thinking in your mind. When somebody is walking around and they are acting pious they are acting righteous they are acting holier than thou just know jesus didn't come for them he came for those of us who would say i need you i'm broken i'm hurting i'm sick inside that's who jesus came for it is not a coincidence that matthew has jesus over to his house matthew was a tax collector okay Matthew was, it's interesting, in other parts of the scripture, it, it will read off all of these, you know, sinners, you know, the thieves, and the adulterers, and this, and that. And then it says, and then there were the tax collectors. Like that, that it's somehow that if you were to scale all the sinners, that the bottom of the barrel, in fact, not even the bottom of the barrel, the underside of the bottom of the barrel was somehow tax collectors and matthew was one of them why were tax collectors hated so much well let me explain to you why tax collectors especially matthew matthew was a jew but he was working for the romans he was working for the enemy so not only was he working for the enemy but when he would go to collect taxes he would tax people too much he would give you know to the Romans what they needed, and he basically became wealthy off of his own people. This is why tax collectors were the scum of the earth, because literally they were taking from their own people, and they were thriving off of it. And that was Matthew. But you know what Matthew did? Matthew allowed Jesus into his life. And after this, Matthew gave up everything. To follow Jesus. Everything. 
He walked away from a lucrative, well, thieving job, but he walked away from wealth. He walked away from prestige. He walked away from, you know, maybe this cush life that he was giving his family, but he knew it was wrong. He left it all, and he went to follow Jesus. Matthew found healing that day. Number one in your notes. What are some different reasons people go to a hospital? Different types of sicknesses. Well, first of all, there's, you know, as I addressed, the very first thing is that we can be lost spiritually. Sin, you guys, is what keeps us from that eternal life with Christ. Sin is what divides us. And it's our own sin, you guys. It's something that we brought upon ourselves. The other thing that, that people go to a hospital for, it could be you know, social things, things like anger and, and unforgiveness, and, and maybe they're a, a victim of something. Maybe somebody hurt them. You know, Just like I said, I, I was raised in a, in a broken home. I guarantee you there was a lot of times that my brother and I were the victim of things that we could not control. And three, the emotional, things like depression, things like no joy, things like self-loathing. These were all the things that would set in to our lives. And then, of course, there's the physical, which is the reason why people go to the hospital, for disease, broken bodies. Listen, once we become Christians, once we give our lives over to Christ, we are now on this journey to wholeness. We are on a journey to wholeness. But what does wholeness look like? What does wholeness look like? I want to read another story, and it happens to be in the same chapter, so you don't have to go far. Matthew chapter 9, but actually turning over to verse 1. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he is God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for sending a man with such great authority. Jesus was demonstrating who he was. He was God. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was God. And he was demonstrating who he was. And by the way, Jesus was speaking directly to the root, the core issue, and that was sin. He said, your sins are forgiven you. Now let me just clarify something because there is 
kind of that qu- question that going, goes around that, well, just because I'm sick, does that mean that I sinned? Well, well that's, that's not what you know, this is about. This is about the sin of man. We all live in sin. So because we all live in a sinful world, this fallen world, we are all subject to that sin. And Jesus was saying, I have authority over it. I have authority over it. And your sins are forgiven you. Now, yes, we are born into sin, and then we, in turn, become sinners. The Bible says all have sinned, so there's nobody in this room who hasn't. There's nobody in this room who's lived a perfectly holy life. Only Jesus has. But Jesus has authority over sin, and he's demonstrating it by healing this paralyzed man. So this is what this says. Jesus is more concerned about your eternal health than he is about your physical health. But through eternal health, through the forgiveness of sin, through the cleansing of sin, then we do see healing here on earth. We do see God's kingdom here on earth. And we can receive it. But God is saying what more importantly, what Jesus is saying is more important is your eternal well-being. And as long as your eternity is secure, then all these things will be added unto you. So how do you find healing, you guys? How do you find healing? The first is, you need to be a good patient. You need to be a good patient. Right, Nick? You got to be a good patient to find healing. Admit that you are hurting. We need to be honest. We need to be honest. Can I tell you guys an epidemic in the church We are all good liars. Me too. When you walk in through the door, you say, hey, Matthew, how are you doing today? I said, I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. No, I'm not. I'm having a bad day. The coffee hasn't kicked in yet. You know, last night I was up all night with our, you know, our dog. I'm not, I'm just making stuff up right now. But we need to be honest with each other. We need to start saying, if we're going to ask each other, how you doing, and we're going to say that we're the church, that we're going to start being honest, I'm going to tell you, I'm not doing too hot today. I am glad I'm here, and I am glad you're here, but you know, I would sure love to have a conversation or for you to even just pray for me right now. We need to be honest, you guys. Just like when you go to the doctors, you got to be honest with them about what you're going through, or he can't help you. All right, we can't help you and God can't help you if you're not going to be honest with how you're feeling. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your pain level like today? You know what I mean? Sucks. Awful, terrible. Let's start being honest with each other. Let's be good patients. Another thing, don't let the symptoms affect your whole body. The sooner you deal with something, the sooner you're going to find healing. Let me explain. If you're going through things and you start to fall into like, you know, let's just say like depression and stuff like that, it starts affecting your whole body. It starts affecting, you know, your whole life. It bleeds into everything. It might just be one problem, but it's starting to affect everything that you do. It affects your work. It affects your life at home. It affects your friendships. And you just start seeing it infiltrating every single part of your life. 
We have to acknowledge the problem. We have to offer it to God so that it won't start bleeding into every area of our lives. The third one, do what the doctor prescribes. Do what the doctor prescribes. You go to the doctor and he tells you, you need to get off your feet for a whole week. You need to get off your feet for a whole week. If he says, take this medicine this many times a day, well, then you take the medicine that many times a day. Why? Because if you don't do that, you're not going to heal as fast. Well, let me tell you something. The great physician himself has prescribed to you the kind of life that will bring healing to your very soul. This is why we say, be in God's word every single day, because it is a prescription, because it is literally the great physician himself telling us every minutia of our day, listen, if you live this way, then you will have a long and blessed life but we have to follow the instructions, right? We can't let this just sit and expect, you know, what's, why is my life so awful? Why do I keep going around in circles doing the same thing over and over and over again? What do they say the definition of insanity is? When you continue to do the same thing over and over and over, but expecting a different result, that is insanity, You guys, this is a life-saving book. This is why the world is so against it. Because the world doesn't want you well. The world wants you sick and dependent upon them. Just like drugs, whether prescription drugs or, you know, whatever. Just like that, they want you dependent upon them. They don't want you free. And this right here, this book is life-saving. It will set you free if you live by it. Four, how to be a good patient. Continue your follow-up appointment, right? Continue your follow-up appointment. You, listen, we can't live by ourselves. We need to be connected. We need to be connected. This is why... Our church has Bible studies. This is why our church has, you know, uh, we call them iConnects or um, life groups. This is why we get together on Sunday mornings. This is why we continue to try to create community. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't live life by yourself. You have to continue your follow-up appointments. You have to continue touch and base so that people can continue to ask you, how you doing? How are you doing? There's a flip side to that coin in number three and point number three. You could also be a good nurse. So if God's the great physician, then does that make us all nurses, right? We're all nurses. We are all the doctor's go-between, you know? Helping people, by the way, you guys, does lead to healing. There's been something so therapeutic about me sharing my story, about me sharing my testimony. You guys have also heard Sheila and I tell our testimony of our, of our child loss. And every time that Sheila and I sit with somebody who's going through it, there's something so healing about it to us. It almost honors our daughters who we lost. And it 
and it brings, it's just, there's just a little piece that, that seems to be missing in my heart, just seems to mend in that moment. Helping people, you guys, leads to your own healing, your testimony. But first, you guys, we need to be available. We need to be available. The nurse has to be there, right? If the person's in bed and there's no nurse. How many of you have been in the doctor's or, or been in the hospital and you're pressing the button and the nurse doesn't come? Oh, yoo-hoo! Sheila, when Sheila had Bella, our very first, um, there was, I guess it was a full moon that night that Bella was born. And the next day, the uh, maternity ward was packed. They even had people on gurneys out in the hallways giving birth. I just about delivered my daughter. The doctor came flying in literally at the last moment, and but I sat there with her, and I said, do I get a discount <laughs> for helping deliver my own daughter? I mean, nobody was in here. Now, the nurse, oh, my gosh, she was flying around. You could hear next door. You could hear down the hall. I mean, everybody was having babies that day. Twelve. And that was a high, a high for a day is five, and the day Bella was born, there were 12 others in the same maternity ward as her. So, hey, we need to be available. We got work to do. There's people having babies. We got to help. But here's, here's the other thing, you guys. If we're going to be honest with each other, we also need to not be afraid to ask questions. Good questions, healthy questions. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? What can I do to serve you? How are you feeling? You know what I mean? And by the way, can we just stop? If you're going to ask somebody, hey, how you doing? Be ready for an answer. You know what I mean? I mean, get, you know, get, get your stance going. All right, it's going to lock in here. It's going to be a good one. Don't ask somebody how they're doing and, you know, walk away. Be ready. Be ready to have a conversation. Be ready just to listen. Can I tell you something Sheila and I learned in? We went through, um, uh, not only did we go through our own grief counseling uh, where we were counseled too, but then my, my wife and I actually got involved in how to counsel, counsel people through grief. Uh, and one of the things, the major number one thing, you want to know what it was? Listen. Listen. I thought they were going to give us all these great, you know, comebacks and how to talk somebody, you know, you know, how to help somebody. They said the number one thing was just to listen. Just be there. Just let the person throw it all up and you just be there rubbing their backs, telling them it's okay. That's all you have to do. You don't have to have, sometimes I think we feel like we have to have the fix-it answer. By the way, if you're a guy, we always have to have the fix-it answer, right? We're always trying to fix it. You know, our wives come to us. Okay, marriage counseling, really quick. I'm going to give you guys a nugget, all you guys out there, whether you're married, planning to be married, whatever. When your wife comes and tells you all of her problems, you know what you do? You shut this and you open these and you just go, yes, yes, honey, yes. And you just listen, listen. That's all she wants you to do is listen. But by the way, that's what we're all needing. We just need someone who listens, not someone who, who's going to you know, tell us what to do, not someone who's going to try to fix it for us, but just people who are just going to listen. It feels so good to be able just to get it off our chest sometimes. 
pray. Take the need to the great physician. You are the nurse, right? So the nurse is in the, you know, listens to all the, the patient's problems. And then what does the nurse go do? She goes and takes it to the doctor. That is our job, you guys. Our job is to take people's needs, to bear one another's burdens, to take the need to the great physician. Not something for you to try to, you don't have to always have the answers. By the way, even as a pastor, I still don't have all the answers. I'm human. I have limitations. But guess what? I am connected to the one that does have all the answers. So when you come to me and you say, Matthew, I have a problem and I need you to help me, guess what I do? I say, great, tell me everything and I'm going to go to go tell the doctor. Doctor will be in with you soon, you know, shortly. Pray. One of the greatest things we could do for each other as the church is to pray for one another. Pray for one another. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? I love it. We have a, uh, we have a prayer team. Uh, and on that prayer team, we kind of have this little private Facebook page. And the reason why we don't put it public was be- is because sometimes the prayers are private. But we have a private uh, Facebook message uh, team. And when those prayers come in, man, to watch all of those instant responses of praying, 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 praying. Like, wow, if you only knew, for those of you who aren't on it, if you only knew how many people you have praying for you in that moment. For you guys who don't know, uh, Helen uh, and her family, her little grandson Jacob is in the hospital right now, uh, is having appendicitis problems. And so I would ask that you would pray. You know, we were praying for Nick as he was in the hospital, and Nick's here. Glad to have you back, Nick. And guess what? You guys prayed. You guys pray. That's what we're here for each other. We're here to lift each other up. We're here to pray for each other. And then, of course, guys, the follow-up care. To be a good nurse, there has to be good follow-up. This is where relationship comes in. This is where discipleship comes in. This is why we build relationships with each other, because it's not a quick fix. We're in this, you guys, for the long haul. For those of you who are, who are you know, Maybe not, you don't feel like you're as, as connected into the inner workings maybe of our church or something like that. I want to let you know, we truly are. I know the, the heart of my leadership. We're here for the long haul for you. We are here. If we know what you're going through, we will do our best to try to come alongside of you and walk you just through life. We may not have all the answers, but guess what? We know the one who does. So be honest. Let us know what you're going through. Let us know how we can help. So here's the challenge, you guys, and this is the same challenge I've been giving all month to every single one of you. Be relational. Be relational. Can I just, can I be really, really honest? Because I'm looking at about everyone in this room, and there's nobody who's like a first-time visitor. Everybody looks like this is our crew right here, pretty much. So I apologize if there's a visitor that I'm not seeing. You can close your ears. Every single one of you, I give you the authority I give you the open door. I give you the the green light, whatever it is, to invite somebody else to lunch, to invite somebody else to coffee, to just simply ask, hey, I'd like to get to know you better. Because I'll tell you right now, I don't know anybody who doesn't want relationships in their life. They are so important. Relationships are so important. And by the way, you guys, it is the DNA of the church. We can't do church without relationships. And if there is a church 
operating not through relationships, then I'll tell you, that's not the church. That's a performance. And I don't ever want to become just performance where people come in, watch the show, and leave. I want to be a relational church. Also, discipleship, you guys. What does discipleship mean? Discipleship is this. The stages of life that you go through, there's always somebody in a stage of life behind you, and there's always someone in a stage of life in front of you. It's always good to have a person who's in a stage of life ahead of you. Those are the people that are pouring into your life. Those are the people that you can go to and say, hey, I I need guidance. I need help. But there's always somebody in the stage of life right behind you. It's just natural. Look for those that you could even say, hey, you know what? I've already walked through what you're walking through. You know, some of you women who your kids are already up and out of the house, find a woman who's got kids because I'll guarantee you she's not only dying for some relationship, but she'd probably like some wisdom and guidance in her life. Hey, I used to beat my kids. It works really, really well. (laughs) Right, Star? Right? Works for me. Totally kidding. But not kidding. But kind of kidding, but not kidding. There's, there is every single one of us are walking through stages of life. And there's every single one of us in different stages of life. We need each other. I, I shared the story about the Fondacaros. The Fondacaros, Sal and Karen, they've always been in kind of that stage of life ahead of us. And we, every time we would spend time with them, we would glean from them. They helped us through so many situations, through marriage situations, through financial situations, through parenting situations. They were always there for us whenever we needed. And now Sheila and I are turning around and we're doing it for others in the stage of lives behind us. Be relational. Be present, you guys. Be present. I want to say something and I want you just to hear my heart through it. So please don't take this as a rebuke. But can we get back to being excited about gathering together on Sunday mornings. The enemy tries to rob us of that joy, and church has somehow become a thing that's like an every other week or once a month or a, you know what I mean? And I get it. Life, the world, the, 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 the stresses of life seem to just suck the joy right out of you, and sometimes Sunday morning rolls around, and, and you're just doing everything you can to get out of bed, And it would sure be nice just to hit the snooze button on one day and have some rest. But let me explain to you something. Physical rest, to be honest, is always going to be something that eludes us. But spiritual rest, spiritual rest, that kind where you come and you feel like your soul was fed, that's something that you're not going to find trying to do life on your own. I'm asking you guys to be present. That's all I'm asking. I'm not saying you have to have perfect attendance. That's not what I'm saying. Like I said, hear my heart. Not This isn't a rebuke. I'm just saying be present because the more you're present with the body of Christ, the more you're going to find it's refreshing to your very soul, that you're going to find rest in your soul. And be open. Be open. My last challenge to you is be open. You have a part to play, you guys. You are part of the body of Christ. Ask God, what is my part? How can I be a part of this? And if you would like to be more involved in our church, please say something to me. Please do not wait for me to come and ask. I I, I also give you 
the, the right and the freedom to come and say, Pastor Matthew, I have this on my heart. I would like to be involved this way, or I would like to do this. I will help you. I will encourage you. And we will, as the church, try to set you up for success for whatever God is putting on your heart. You guys, we are a team here. We're a team. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have created a place that the broken can come. That you have created a place that the sick can come. That you have created a place that no matter where we are in life, we are welcome. That there is nobody in this room that is perfect that there is nobody in this room that is holier than thou. That we bear one another's burdens. That is the church, the hospital, a place where people come and get well. I wanna ask you this question. Just as Jesus told that paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven you. If you have never ever asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and you would like to do that today, if you would like to invite him into your life, if you would say, you know what, today's the day I give my life over to him because I need healing. Remember I said, you gotta be honest. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. That's it. If you would like that forgiveness of sin this morning, would you just raise your hand and would you let your eyes meet mine so that I can share in this moment with you? Don't let another moment go by without saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need your healing in my life. Jesus, come and save me. And Jesus, I wanna be part of your family. If that is you today, will you just raise your hand so that I can see you? Will, you? will you make eye contact with me? This is just a private moment between us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If I could ask my leadership to come up here, we're going to move into our time of, of, of our healing service. Would you like to come up and pray for people too? Val and Karen, would you like to come up and pray for people too? So here's, here's what we're asking. Here's what we're asking. You need to be honest with what it is that you're going through. And if you just need a healing touch, it doesn't have to be physical. It could be mental, it could be emotional. Like I said, I found emotional healing being in the, a part of church. So this isn't about just being sick. This is about saying, I wanna be whole. And what's the beautiful thing about a life following Jesus is you find wholeness, mind, body, and spirit. 
So if you need prayer in one of those things today, we would like to pray with you. We would like to lay hands on you, as the Bible says, to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Whatever it is that your prayer is this morning, please let us pray for you. We're going to go back into a time of worship, so if you wouldn't mind standing with us as we sing. And if you would, during this time, just come forward. Let us pray with you.